What's up, everybody? Welcome to Building Our Power. This is Gabby. And KT. And we're back with another episode. Sorry we did not have one last week, June 14th, Flag Day. It's my birthday, so we took a little hiatus. But we are back today. We have a lot of juicy stuff to talk about because... I told y'all hoes... So, if I recall, um, back in the day, um, aka November 2020, I was told that, uh, Joe Biden was not a fascist. I was told that Joe Biden was the better choice. We could organize better up under Joe Biden. That's what I was told. That was a little selling point everybody was trying to tell us. Come to find out, oh, we was right. This is what has been released. Uh, actually, this this was first published in March. It has now become unclassified. We got a tip from one of our friends on Twitter, Awkward Rap, A-W-K-W-O-R-D, Rap. Um, and they stated, in case you missed it, Joe Biden's anti-terrorism initiative classifies those of us who oppose all forms of capitalism, corporate globalization, and governing institutions, which are perceived as harmful to society, as domestic violent extremists. We warned you. So, this is pretty much what's going on. These are the categories of domestic violence extremism. Okay, I'm going to read those. But the government is starting to uh, put more money, I think we saw $20 million, into combating these uh, domestic violent extremists. What is a domestic violent extremist, you may ask? Well, let us, let us look at the little list. Let's look at the little list. The first thing says, racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists. DVEs with ideological agendas derived from bias, often related to race or ethnicity, held by the actor against others, including a given population group. Okay? So this could be white supremacists, possibly. Possibly. This could be uh, your little hotel group. This could be your little uh, bootleg black Israelites group that only got three people up in it. It could be them. Somebody else, animal rights slash environmental violent extremists. DVE seeking to end or mitigate perceived cruelty, harm, or exploitation of animals, or perceived exploitation or destruction of natural resources and the environment. KT brought up a good point because I was like, girl, when is PETA going to be classified in this? They're not. She was talking about how, you know, the Native people really have been trying to protect their land against these pipelines and have been, you know, going on the uh, offensive to do so. These types of people will be classified as domestic violent extremists. Abortion-related violent extremists. We know the pro-lifers. Those are conservatives, but they too apparently according to this, will be considered domestic violent extremists. All right, now we get into the nitty-gritty. Anti-government, anti-authority violent extremists. DVEs with ideological agendas derived from anti-government or anti-authority sentiment, including 
opposition to perceived, perceived economic, social, or racial hierarchies or perceived government overreach, negligence, or illegitimacy. Domestic violent extremists, you and I. Militia violent extremists are DVEs who take overt steps to violently resist or facilitate the overthrow of the U.S. government in support of their beliefs. Anarchists, of course, sovereign citizen. Girl, nobody care about the sovereign citizen. Okay. This y'all present. This is y'all present. This is the one that y'all were able to uh, peel off a couple of the... Um, the socialist and the DSA and some communist people to vote for. Y'all told us that this guy was better than Trump. Anything is better than Trump. This man has told you right now that he is going to rage war against us, which we already knew. Baby, why would a capitalist president like us? We're against capitalism. We hate it and we're trying to overthrow it. Golly, gee whiz. KT, do you have anything you'd like to add? Yeah, so I want to kind of go back a little bit because you had talked about where they had started to uh, invest in this type of thing. And so I kind of want to talk about that just a little bit more. Um, so anyway, after this came out, um, the department of, let me see here, the department had requested to double the investment in sustainable prevention programming from $10 million to $20 million. In December 2020, DHS finalized plans to better monitor and evaluate the, the success of the awards and share results to ensure other jurisdictions can replicate best practices. So, basically what happened was is that the DHS decided, hey, you know what, let's start to uh, investigate these communities and let's try and figure out, like, why exactly is there domestic terrorism going on? Why do we have so many extremisms? How come we're having to classify so many people as extremists? So, anyway, they have decided in order to fund this, they're going to hand out some grants to okay. some people. So, Y'all know what we feel about grants. You guys know that we know when it comes to grants, there's going to be some kind of scam involved with it. And, of course, after doing some additional research, they're doing a grant called an Urban Area Security Initiative Program. Okay? So what does, what, what does that sound like to you? We didn't really know, so we went and we searched it. So this is what it says. It's going to assist high-threat, high-density urban areas in efforts to build and sustain the capabilities necessary to prevent, protect against, mitigate, respond to, and recover from acts of terrorism. Then it goes on to say that it's going to use a whole community approach. Have you guys ever heard of a whole community approach? Again, I didn't, so I went and looked it up. A whole community approach pretty much pretty freaking much comes down to providing support via community leaders and government officials to help the community. So what does that sound like to you, Gabby? What, is that, what does that sound like is going to happen? It sounds like they're going to use community leaders of certain communities to rat on people that are organizing in said communities. 
These community leaders will be your politicians. They'll be your preachers. They will be your leaders of the nonprofits. They will get grants. The police department will get grants to fight terrorism. Of course, they're not going to say it like that. The government knows better than that, but this is what they're going to do, which is why us as leftists, communists, whatever, anarchists, whatever, you cannot align with these nonprofits. You may be able to use them for something, but to create coalitions with these people, they, they are getting governmental grant money. Their end goal, their priorities are not those of ours. They will take this money and run on your tail and destroy any type of organizing that you have done. So, be on the lookout for that. This ain't to be conspiratorial. We're going to put the links up in there. This facts on facts on facts. It's DHS.gov. Literally. This is what they're doing. So, what what can we do? Well, obviously, now we're going to be more hyper-vigilant. We have to be more hyper-vigilant. And organizing, we'll have to be more, you have to be more careful with it. You can do some stuff online, like we can still talk about things online, but some things will have to be offline. Some things will have to be in person. Some things will have to be on apps where it cannot be traced or tracked by the government, which is where they said, you know. But because they're, they're cracking down. And I knew that this was going to happen because of the simple fact that the conservative talking point is that Joe Biden is in bed with Antifa and the communists or whatever. You know he cares about his public image. You know America cares about their public image. So they're going to crack down hard on people like us just to prove that that's not who they are. Uh, anything you want to add? Yeah, so um, I kind of want to bring up, like, this, I feel like this conversation kind of brings up, like, a wider conversation surrounding, like, how our communities are built and, like, the narrative that's kind of pushed out to us in a, in a way that is, like, it's a, what, what did you call it before, like, a co-opt of language? Like, they'll say all of these words that makes it seem like, oh, they're really out here and they're really going to freaking help us in the community and they're really going to help the poor, um, help fight uh, or help us against, you know, the KKK, help us against white supremacists and blah, blah, blah. Like, but in actuality, this is pretty much them just uh, using capitalist goals, using fascist goals in order to push propaganda on you, I feel like. Absolutely. And something, because uh, I want to talk about, like, the liberal co-opting, especially black liberal co-opting of certain things and telling stories the way they want to tell them so that they can suppress certain parts. Um, we talk about COINTELPRO a lot as um, when we learn about our history, black people, and we know they targeted Martin Luther King, Black Panthers, and all that stuff. The black liberals would have you believe they targeted them just because they black people were uniting. That's the only reason they were targeted. But they won't tell you that the KKK was also targeted by COINTELPRO. White anarchist organizations, white communist organizations, white labor unions were also uh, 
were also patrolled by COINTELPRO or also infiltrated by COINTELPRO. So that tells you that the government really doesn't have its foot in any fight. It doesn't have its foot in the white supremacist fight to an extent. As long as it's making the money, they're going to be okay with it. But it's not like they're just like, uh, the KKK are okay. Anybody's black, we hate. They're going to go after whoever is going to pose a threat to them. So as us, we have to realize that, yeah, they might have been prosecuting. They may be looking for the insurrectionists and all that stuff. But that does not mean that they're on our side. They're just prosecuting them because they their lives are in danger. They do not care about us and the lives we're having to live with these Trumpster people who are doing things to us. You know what I'm saying? So that's just something important to remember. Um, but definitely look that up. It's very interesting information. Again, if anybody's trying to tell you that Biden was a better choice, hit them with that article. We are in for some mess. So buckle up, guys. We have to have each other's back. So, they, these people set up in Orange Mound. Orange Mound is one as a predominantly black neighborhood. Poor, obviously, it's predominantly black. It's a historically black neighborhood. So, it has a history of poverty, has an, a history of low home ownership, and some artists have been able to obtain an $800,000 grant to do what, you may ask? Create a building where they're going to lease out uh, apartments to people, where they're going to lease out uh, spaces for artists to create, where they're going to put on shows, where they're going to have coffee shops and stuff like that. Yeah, so I'm going to give, like, some specific details because it's, it's really, really interesting how they frame it. So it kind of takes us back to the conversation that we were having earlier about how there's a co-opt of language that capitalists, capitalists use. And so um, so I want to kind of read a little bit of this article. We'll make sure that we, again, we put it in the description. But basically what they say is that it's an 80,000 square foot warehouse and what they're going to be doing with it is they're going to redevelop it and put 120 apartments, a parking structure and commercial space. Then they go on, if you're looking at the article, and they talk about how there's going to be these really uh, well-known artists uh, here in the Memphis area who are going to be setting up shop in it, right? So we're thinking, oh, this is wonderful. Like, if you didn't really, if you couldn't do some critical thinking about this, you would really think that this was a wonderful thing. Like, there's people, you know, there's going to be black people in these buildings that we're going to be able to do all of this stuff. But the truth of the matter is, it's a, like Gabby said, it is a very poor community. So basically what they're doing is they're putting a brand new spanking building in the middle of a rundown, broken, environmentally racist community. So honestly, like if I lived in Orange Mount, I feel like 
I feel like I would be sad. Like, if a new building came up and my house is, I've lived here for 20 years, and my house is all, like, messed up, and these random artists, these gentrifiers, let's be honest, comes into the neighborhood, which the lady that's doing this, she's not from the Memphis area, and she's not. She is from, she's not from Orange Mountain. Oh, she's not from the Orange Mountain area, and she doesn't currently live in the Orange Mountain area either. Um, Regardless, I feel like I would be real depressed. Like, my... Why didn't they put that into my house? I've lived here for 20 years. What are they doing? Or not even that. It's that... <sighs> These black liberals really have shown they tell. And the thing about it is, because they're tied into the nonprofit community, because they have ties with uh, politicians and stuff, the criticism gets kind of laid low. Yeah. This is gentrification by black people. My question is this. If people are living in poverty, you're putting this brand new tourist attraction up in there. Do you not think that developers are not going to come over there and buy up all those properties and gentrify Orange Mound for the whites? Just because you say we're doing this for the blacks does not mean it's going to be good for the poor working class black people. Even if black middle class people come and buy up those properties, it's still gentrification, they even they even compared it to Harlem, uh, and I don't know if you guys know, but Harlem has also been gentrified in pretty much some of the same ways. Yes, and so I just really just I wanted to showcase this because it's really disheartening, especially when some of these same people that uh, talk about gentrification in Memphis are going up for this. It's like guys. Gentrification ain't just about white people living in the area. It's about the poor working class, which tells me your class status. Which It's about poor working class people not being able to afford to live where they already live. And then poor working class people not being able to have a higher quality of life. Because as those middle class people start to live in that area, they're going to be in nicer houses. Their apartments are going to get renovations and improvements super fast. These other people are going to be here, like you said, been here for 20, 30 years. They can barely get a toilet fixed. Literally. Then eventually, the property taxes are going to get so high, the rent's going to get so high, they're going to get kicked out. These people are just as bad as the white gentrifiers. We cannot let color... Stop us from seeing this. And something else that I'm starting to see is, we've already talked about this. Murals are a way in for these gentrifiers as well as these uh, community art initiative things. I've really become this this hardened. And the reason why I haven't joined some of these artist organizations in Memphis is because I'm like, okay, great. We all want to do art. I'm looking at us. Majority of us are middle class. Majority of us went to college. Majority of us have privileges. What is the end goal of this? Is the end goal of this just for us to make money? Is yeah. the end goal of this just for us to have some type of capitalist uh, standing? You know what I'm saying? What is the end goal? You say it's about the community, but how are we helping the community if we're doing stuff like this that's going to harm our community in the long run? Yeah, so I want to bring up the, what you said, like these art 
uh, murals and these artists' uh, entertainment centers. Uh, I think it's been like five years now, five, six years, something like that, where there was a building called Crosstown Arts in my neighborhood here in Memphis. And essentially what happened was pretty much the same thing, except it wasn't black people that were doing it. It was white people that were doing it who were saying, you know what, we're about to build up this, this building, this broken down factory that no one has touched in literally years. And we're going to build it up and it's going to be wonderful for the community. Since then, my area has practically started being gentrified. That was kind of like a starting point on top of the murals, on top of um, other types of things that you can see as far as gentrification goes. And so um, now we had, there was this really long-standing, what was like a thrift shop, I think is what it was. It had been there for literally, literally decades. Yeah, it was a flea market. It had been there for decades in that, in my area. And um, once that Crosstown Arts came, uh, that entire area has basically been bought out by corporations. Like, like there's no mom-and-pop stores there anymore. All of it is either corporate-owned, or if it's not corporate-owned, it's middle-class white-owned. So it's like, what, what, are we, what, what are we doing? Same thing like you said. Like, what is the end goal here? What right. are we going to do long-term? And, and the thing about it is the reason that I'm really pressing hard and I'm going to go even harder when these black people come and do the gentrifying is because these white folks understand that when we see white people we automatically going to say no gentrifier yeah but if they use a black face they can do the exact same thing so we have to be on the lookout we have to be hyper vigilant towards these type of things guys we just have to be because these nonprofits, we already said it, nonprofits are the new gentrifiers. And if we want to create strong communities, we have to educate people about this. And the people that's going to need the most educating are those progressive black people, the ones who think they actually doing something progressive in the communities, but they really just neoliberals in disguise. So um, that's all we really want to talk about today, guys. We will definitely put that link to that uh, monstrosity thing in our description. Um, if you have any examples of uh, black gentrification that's happened in your neighborhood or in your community, send it to us, and we'll love to talk about that and um, bring it up. Also, we'll put the link to the uh, Joe Biden thing in there as well. All right, guys, this has been Gabby. And this is Building Our Power. <laughs>